0: All right. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Um, happy Thursday. I'm really excited to be here once again, um, having this conversation. We are in April, which is a month that we observe World Autism Day. That was on the second, and we are still continuing with the conversation because this month we are ensuring that we do everything we can to create awareness around autism and. I am really excited to have a wonderful lineup, very relevant um, people in this conversation and I can't wait to hear from them, to learn from them. If you watch this conversation while it's ongoing, please feel free to ask any of our panel questions. And I'll be your moderator today. My name is Gadonim Bogwa, I'm a clinical psychologist here at Chiromo Hospital Group. I'll start with exactly how my grid looks. Um, First on the panel, we have John Kimayo, who is an occupational therapist, Early Milestones Intervention and Development Center in Thika. John, welcome to this panel. Hi, John.
1: Thank you. Hi, thank you so much. I'm much grateful to be with you today. Uh, on this forum to tackle one, two, three, and discuss about autism.
0: Correct. Thank Hello. you, John. We are are happy you getting?
1: Have... Okay, okay, okay.
0: Second on my panel, we have Karen Morioki. Karen Morioki is an um, autistic advocate and founder of Kenyans Living with autism Karen, we are really honored to have you in this panel today and we wait to hear and learn from you
2: how are you doing today i'm doing well i can't wait to be on i can't wait to start mm-hmm. thank you yeah. so much
0: um the next panelist is um, a face that you all know either from media or from our panel conversations um that we have had and her name is sylvia mochabo who amongst very many other hats um, that she wears, she is the founder of Andy Speaks for Special Needs Persons Africa, the organizer of the recently held event at the Kasarani, Um grounds on Autism Awareness on the 2nd of April. How are you today, Sylvia? We are honored to Hi. have you. Hi, thank you for having me. I was really so long as we're doing what
3: we do. And we raise
0: awareness. Thank you. All right. And last but not least on this panel, another gentleman. I really love that the panel is really balanced. We have Ian Kiplagat, who is um, a psychologist and mental health advocate here at um the Chiromo Hospital Group. Um he's currently um under training, but we are really <laughs> honored to have you to contribute to this conversation and I can't wait to delve into it. I'm going to start this conversation by putting all of you guys on the spot. And um, as advocates, I really would like to hear from each one of you, what have you been doing in regards to creating awareness for autism in Kenya? For this month? Well, in your community, in your own space, yes um we'll start with um john let's start with john
1: oh well uh, thank you so much because being the first person we normally say uh, <laughs> uh ladies first. but now because it is men's first for today yes <laughs> it's about autism now um mm-hmm. uh, first of all uh Should we start with uh, autism or creation of awareness or uh, where should we start?
0: What, the question is, what have you done in regards to creating awareness for autism? Uh,
1: this, well, maybe the first
0: eight days, yes.
1: Now, thank you so much. Uh, For the last eight days, uh, what I've been doing is just creation of, uh, of awareness Mm-hmm. Uh, in, uh, in a manner that, one, one, I've been just using my social media because that is one of the platforms that most of the people currently in Kenya and outside the world, they are using it. Number mm. two is uh, crea- a creation of awareness by teaching the community and also giving the right, giving the, giving, giving what, giving, uh, the information about the autism, what is autism, how is it managed, and uh, also uh, giving the psychological support to most of these people who are having kids who are having these kids with, with, uh, with autism. And also mm. another thing that we've been doing right now, as, you, as you've heard, I'm um, from uh, early intervention and early milestones and, and uh, development center in Thika. So what yes. we've been doing there in that clinic, we've not been having uh, autism kids. But mm-hmm. now, as an occupational therapist, I went there, and we've started creating awareness to start a center there, where we're we'll starting seeing new clients for autism. That is what we've been doing since the beginning of this month of April. Wow!
0: Wow! Amazing! Amazing, John. It's really amazing uh, to hear
1: you yes. say also, that. And I love other um, things that, that I can say. Because... We've been sharing uh, knowledge. From, uh, from 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 um, from uh, from from. Are you getting me right? Are you together, really?
0: Yes, we are together, John. I was saying thank you very I... much to hear that. Um what you're doing from your own space in regards um, to the institution that you're working in using your social media platforms, and also the fact that you you did not have any children with autism in your institution, but it is something that you're looking into implementing um, currently. Yeah. It's really amazing to hear that. I would like to go to Karen. Please, briefly for 30 seconds, what have you been doing? Um,
2: during this month, in regards to creating awareness, um, I've mostly been using social media, uh, that is via Twitter, you know, treating information out there that is written by autistic people,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, just mostly social media stuff, basically, using social, Not, yeah.
0: And we can all agree that social media is actually a really, really powerful tool in regards to reaching um, the masses. It's really good to, to hear that. Ian, anything that you've specifically been doing to create awareness on autism? Um,
4: I've used my social media, my Twitter, and also psychoeducating caregivers of people living with autism.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, about how to manage autism and uh, what, what, what it means to to be autistic,
5: mm-hmm.
4: yeah.
0: All right. And last but not least, I'd like to hear from you, Sylvia, uh, briefly as, as well. What have you been doing during this month? For um, well, this week, I think it has been very
3: intense on our side because it's one, uh, autism is our flagship projects in as an speaks because it's my life it's what brought me here as a champion for the entire neurodiverse community and uh, on behalf of my son who cannot do it on himself by himself uh, we have had the right for autism awareness in Nairobi circuit that was on the 2nd of April where we had bikers eight bikers branding and stuff mm-hmm. like that going around the entire Nairobi uh, apart from that we've had TV interviews and uh, this is one of the where we're sharing information we've had also conversations like the round table talk that was on switch tv yesterday we we will continue having the rest of the month and every day we have content that it's being put out there for awareness on all our social media platforms and also on switch tv sites tv so every day there is something on or tv partners about autism just to expand on the knowledge and it's a journey that will take the entire 30 days and by the time we finish we are hoping that the kasarani primary school autism unit will be fully fully painted with the occupational therapy section that will enable the empowerment of the autistic children to get the education that they deserve in the right manner
0: thank you Um, Thank you, Sylvia, for that and the panel at lunch. This was just a a warm-up question for this conversation and also to our audience. It's important that they also are able to learn and connect and understand Mm -hmm. that um, this list of panelists are people who are walking the talk, yeah, not just... um, For this month, but the passion that is beyond it and the vision that each one of you carry. I would really love, I would really like to commend you for that and to encourage you to keep going uh, with the same momentum. Let's dive right into the conversation. And John, I'll get back to you because you did want to answer this question to begin with in regards to what is autism and how is it um, diagnosed? Let me hear um,
1: from you. Okay, thank you very much once again. Uh, when we say when we talk about autism, I know most of the people don't know about autism. Mm-hmm. It is uh, it is now whereby uh, in current in our current society we are getting a lot of people talking of, about autism, autism, autism. Sometimes some uh, some people are getting diagnosed of autism even without uh, w- without meeting all the criteria. To rule out mm-hmm. that that is autism. Now, from the word autism, autism, mm-hmm. we can say autism. Some of the people say autism is a mental health problem. That is not. But we normally say, well, from the definition, we say that uh, autism is a neurodep- is a developmental, mm-hmm. uh, a developmental uh, problem that ca- that causes uh, problems in communication interaction and and comes uh, comes along with uh with that with, with some patterns of behaviors so mm. that is why we say we say it is a developmental um condition mm-hmm. now and uh when when, when when there are so many things that that comes in for you to for you to 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 diagnose uh, autism one from those from those three things key areas that i've said it comes mm-hmm. along with a communication problem, self-interaction, yeah. and also those behaviors. There are so many things, there are so many things that we, we can say uh, that we can say that, that will we'll rule out uh, will rule out that this is autism or not. Sometimes it comes along with that other condition, but you cannot rule out. So in, uh, in short, we say autism is a condition that comes along with a problem of communication communication, self-interaction, and some patterns of behaviors. So that Mm. is a very clear indication of uh, autism.
0: All right. Thank you so much, um, John, for that. And specifically, because of how you have actually put it for really, literally, anybody who is taking part in this conversation, whether it's a teenager or an adult, they can really be able to understand in black and white. Mm. I would love to throw Sylvia into this question, just to loop her in a little bit. Uh, Because one of the things that John says is that um, some patterns of behavior and maybe Sylvia, could you clarify for us maybe what are some of those patterns that you have been able to observe um, in your own children? Mm
5: -hmm.
0: Sylvia, please unmute.
3: Sorry, I think I lost you for a while. I don't know if it's my side or... I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't get you. I lost you for like a bit of a good 20
0: to 30 seconds. All right. Okay, sorry. Let me just repeat that. Um, I hope you heard uh, what John talked about in regards to really defining um, autism and the diagnosis as well. And one of the things he mentioned is that there are some patterns of behavior. I needed uh, you to give your input being a parent of um, uh, a child who is autistic. What are some of these behaviors that maybe other people can be able to observe just with the Um, naked eye? Yes. Okay. So we have things like eye contact, that is most of the
3: autistic children will lack eye contact. That is like, even if, something that one of the very earliest signs you can look at is when a mother is breastfeeding and when you're connecting with your child and they're not maintaining eye contact, you see that's only enough for you to get concerned. We have head control. We have small issues like jaundice when the child is born. Most of the time the things we take for granted uh, at the beginning and gastro issues. And then, as they grow, there is the delayed milestones. And then there's some who have the comorbid of conversive disorders. I mean, that was what you first seen before you are even mm-hmm. able to get the autism diagnosis. Then we have the development of speech, which will be delayed. Uh, the children who are 10, they've not spoken five, three. So you have that delayed milestone. But then you see mm-hmm. the thing with our culture is you find. Most people say that oh, boys are slower. Yet, as we have seen, the ratio of boys to girls is that uh, we have like four times more boys getting autism than the girls. Then there is the interaction, with social differences. Uh, that is, uh, they have a harder time playing with other children, so you find that they're playing on their own. If you give them a toy, so to speak. The way they will interact with it, let's say it's a car and it's a boy, normally automatic find is how they go they go and start driving it. But an autistic child will find maybe they will start fidgeting with it or not doing what is conventionally said as normal in our regular life. Or they will send you up choice, they will tend to pick um, something totally different as from what you expect a child to normally do and then we have things like when it comes to the repetitive behaviors we have flapping steaming going around in circles Mm -hmm. and this is the stimulus. this is a way of them it's called steaming it's just a way of them calming their systems down and Mm sensing them Mm -hmm. more sensitive to some textures and noise and um, being touched not all of them would would enjoy that and even like giving hugs the babies love that so but then the other thing we have to note is that um not all children have the same symptoms you will not find one autistic person who is exactly like the other so when you meet one autistic person you've only met one so out of this entire spectrum that's why it's called the autism spectrum
5: so it's that umbrella
3: term so the fact that all of them have different challenges, different characteristics, and they have, um, like when it comes to repetition, there are those who have echolalia, which is repetition of words, while others are totally non-verbal. Everything that someone else said. So th- th- there is a lot of variance uh, in. in the autism spectrum uh, also uh, depends also on the severity of
0: the autistics Yes. Right. um Thank you so much, um, both Sylvia and Dawn. And just to reiterate some of the really um, key things have really been mentioned. One, um contrary to popular belief, it's not a mental health, uh rather a mental illness, but rather a physical illness in terms of the fact that neurodevelopmental um, condition we just uh loop in mental health because uh, we will see later in regards to what the caregivers go through and also the individuals who've been diagnosed with autism themselves and you've had it in black and white as well clearly in regards to some of the signs symptoms behaviors that you can be able to see um, in a child however as a disclaimer please do not self-diagnose your child or Google diagnose your child this can only be done by an expert okay through observation not a one-time thing through a prolonged um, observation i want to hear um some thoughts from karen karen you're the founder of um Kenyans living with autism, right? I don't mm-hmm. know if I say mm-hmm. that correctly. Um, correct. How did you find your space? How did you find yourself in that space?
2: Uh, yes. Oh wow. Um, I found myself in that kind of a situation, you know, because it was like a self-discovery thing. I didn't even mm-hmm. know that I was autistic until around 21. I've always been in that, you know, you're in, in that kind of bubble when you're in denial. You want to look mm-hmm. normal, like they say, masking. You mask mm-hmm. your traits, and especially this mm-hmm. is very common among autistic women and girls. You mask your mm-hmm. autism just to make you look normal, and that can really, that really impacted on my mental health as an autistic person in general. Mm-hmm. So I looked at the psychiatrist report, and that that word just came, like it just, it just came like a split second. I knew, yeah, I'm autistic. So within that uh, period, I started speaking out. I started looking for materials on the internet about autism, but I realized uh, some of the materials weren't impressive at all because they deal with what we call the medical model of what autism is rather Mm -hmm. than uh, you know the neurodiverse model like i use the neurodiverse model because it describes our, our our existence as autistics it's how we see and process the world differently i look at autism as a neurodevelopmental disability of how we see how we process information how we interact with other people differently and in mm. this case, like for me, um, you know, as an autistic person, I look at it in such a way that I I'm, I'm different. I, I just see everything around me differently compared to what uh non-autistics look at it.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So
0: yeah. that is so, uh actually what led you to now creating um this space, yes. this foundation, this organization and what has been your discovery? Mm. Uh since creating the organization?
2: Well, the discovery is that, uh, you know, a lot of parents have been reaching out to me uh, just to mm-hmm. help them, you know, accept their kids, their autistic kids and adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, after self-discovery, during that time when I discovered that I was autistic, I decided, you know what, let me just speak out um, right. and create awareness and educate people around me. Uh, hence, the need of just forming a page as a as a way of just creating awareness, so I just decided, you know let me just try and reach out to mm. several people on social media to just have a space where I can be able to educate parents and and other professionals out there' who have been working with autistic people
5: mm.
0: yeah, wow. Thank you so much, Karen. I really, really appreciate your presence in this panel, you and Sylvia as well as um, one being a caregiver and somebody who is really letting us in and giving us insight into their own personal life. That really takes a lot of courage. And before we actually go to the next question that I really want to ask, allow me to go back to John for purposes of people who are engaged in this conversation. Uh, John, I would like to ask you, what is the role of an occupational therapist where autism or people living with autism are concerned?
1: Thank you so much uh, for that question. One, from, uh, from the word occupation, occupation is what people get engaged in in their daily activities. Right. Early, very, very from, uh, from uh, morning, whenever you wake up in the morning up to the evening. And that mm-hmm. is why we say an occupation. What are you mm-hmm. occupied in? Now, mm-hmm. when we come to when when we come to children, most of the children now.
5: Mm-hmm. Now
1: uh, these kids who are autistic, mm-hmm. now you you look at that context, what 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 do we mean by the word occupation? And now mm-hmm. when we say occupation, occupation of a child, most most of the occupation, most of the occupation of a child is playing. Uh, play, most of the occupation of the of a child is playing, maybe sleeping mm-hmm. and uh, such a things. Now, the work of an occupational therapist now comes in here, where you come, after after diagnosing your child maybe with an autism or any other, that condition outside, outside autism.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, occupational therapist comes in and uses the activities of daily living that that child is supposed to perform. To use it as a means, to bring an a meaningful, a meaningful, uh, a meaningful maybe uh, let's say we will use that activity as a means mm-hmm. to to bring an end, of which mm-hmm. uh, to uh, of which by the end by the end of the activity, it will be a very useful thing maybe in the life of a child. For example, right. for example, when, when a child is not used to maybe maybe the child is not used to. Is not used to eating, for example, uh, and eating is one of the fundamental activities of daily living for any person, be it a child, be it an adult, be it anyone else. Mm-hmm. Now, whenever you come to this, uh, to these autistic kids, and the way one of our colleagues have just says, they are choosy, choosy. Maybe in uh, in their foods, there are some of the foods that they will they will they will they will, they, they will want. There are some that they will not want. It's just because of these, uh, of these uh sensory, se- sensory sensory issues that is within within the, 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 the condition that is presenting itself within that child. Now, an occupational therapist comes in. now, from, from that behavior that the child is doing, we try mm. to improve or we, we try to maybe to improvise a, cert, a certain behavior. We're now mm. we now classical, we condition it so that by the end of the day, the child will come and know that uh, this, is, uh, uh, this is what it's supposed to be done and this is not supposed to be done. And by the end of it all, you will assist that child from the previous patterns of behaviors to the normal behaviors that other kids are doing. Right. Now, let's continue. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll be using a, a lot of examples here so that at least it will be very easier for people to understand yes let's come let's come in for example we get an autistic child maybe 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 the child is not is not in a position to to maybe to button his clothes to wear his clothes maybe cleaning now an occupational therapist comes in from the word occupation he occupies the, he, he, he trains the child he trains the child in his occupation in such a way that by the end of the day, the child will have known this is supposed to be done, this is supposed to be done, this is supposed to be done, and this is supposed mm. to be done. And right. and by doing that, by the end of the day, or by the end of a certain time, the child will it will have clicked into the mind of that child that by this time, this should be have done should have been done and this should should not be have been done. So it will mm. be a system a system and a program that is going to be programmed in Ismail. By then by the end of all that prog- program. And by the by the end of that plan program that you mm. had with that client or that child, it will it will have uh, assisted you in making in making the, 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 the daily routines of that child moves on smoothly.
5: Hmm.
6: Yeah. The child.
0: All right. Um, thank you for that, um, John. Um. And and yes. Basically, uh, what John is trying to to, to say is just to help and support that child in regards to changing the behavior that we are seeing, which is um, the symptoms, meaning that they have autism, to normal behavior. And normal here we are seeing the most prevailing behavior that other children are emitting. I know I really don't like to use normal abnormal because um, of the various definitions but i will just specifically say to behavior that is being um, exhibited by most children maybe that age you know in, in regards to developmental milestones so really really um thank you for that we have um, a psychologist in this panel um ian we are coming back uh, we are getting to you and one of the things that um Ian yeah, I would really like um, to bring your insight uh, into this is in regards to um, the mental health yeah of the people who are autistic yeah so what mental health risks do people living with autism run
4: um, first of all, there's a lot of stigmatization. Uh, around autistic people from mm-hmm. the society. So, um, they tend to be prone to depression, uh, also anxiety, mm-hmm. because they they are stigmatized. People see them as uh, having a, as in they're not normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're also prone to stress, because, um, for example autistic children cannot play with other children Mm -hmm. Uh, they might feel discriminated and this will tend to affect their mental health
0: Um, uh, thank you, Ian, uh, for that. And you have had it from the expert in the panel. But I really want to pull uh, Karen, Karen Morioki into this conversation as somebody with a lived experience. We are very, very lucky to have you in this panel. And I want you to just give us insight, both into uh, maybe some of the risk factors that you endured uh, after learning about the diagnosis and before learning mm-hmm. about the diagnosis. I'm really wondering at the top of my mind whether was it a little bit easier for you in terms of um, like the weight, the mental health weight before you knew the diagnosis and did it become uh, worse or better after you knew the diagnosis where you're concerned as an individual as well as where the community and their reception of you is concerned? Mm-hmm.
2: Yes uh um i think it was even lying about my diagnosis by the disclaimer uh, i was diagnosed as a kid growing up so at that time um i grew up feeling very misunderstood that is known as trauma uh it was a very traumatic experience trauma mm-hmm. of just being misunderstood
4: mm-hmm. and
2: there's also depression and also anxiety, as had mentioned, um, mm-hmm. you feel that way because of uh, how, like, you just you just feel like uh, like everything is just against you. Even it happened to me, even when I was in school, not anyone wanted to just hang out with me. They would find me to be so strange, you know, weird. Displaying certain behaviors that were not that were kind of weird to non autistic students, so it was like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. But after having found out that I was autistic, uh, like I was around in my early 20s, I think 21, Mm -hmm. I realized okay, uh, I really need to do a lot of um, uh, self research, and now discover that okay, this is me, this I've gone through this this kind of an experience. And mm-hmm. it could also, um, and it's really played a very negative impact on me because not knowing that I'm autistic, I've always been in denial and also having those, those suicidal suicidal thoughts in my head. And that also contributed to that one as well. And there's also another thing I've also forgot to mention. It's also about uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, although I didn't have that. I didn't have PTSD, so it's also another knowing mental health among autistic people. Um and also another thing also is also being treated like as though you're a you're a baby, infantilization, known as infantilization. So those are the contributing factors that uh that that really um impacted my my mental well mental health well being. Mm. Yeah.
0: Wow, thank you yeah. for sharing uh, that, both Karen and, and Ian. And we've heard, you know, basically about um, Karen telling us being misunderstood, Ian bringing to our attention uh, the vulnerability to depression, to anxiety. But um, also something else I've heard, Karen mentioned is how um, felt. You know, that also self-stigma and has struggled to accept us that happened very very many years um later Karen please allow me to put you on the spot. this on behalf of the community did you feel like most uh, of the stigma that you experienced was from fellow kids or from adults
2: I would say both both okay. from the mm-hmm. children and also from the from the teachers at that time you know in the 80s uh mm-hmm. none of, no no one knew anything about autism in the 80s even in the 90s there's there's mm-hmm. just no understanding about uh developmental disabilities especially autism no right. one knew that's that's also contributed to that as well uh mm-hmm. to, to that kind of uh what what i was going through so mm-hmm. yeah i would say it's both the teachers both the adults and also the students And also the bullying also also took place as well. I was also being bullied as well.
0: Wow. Thank you, Karen. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I, I know maybe you didn't expect that kind of a question, but thank you for being honest uh, with us. I really appreciate that because part of this conversation, the reason why we want to create that awareness is to bring to the attention of other human beings out there in terms of being better and doing better. You know as a parent, it's your responsibility to teach your children, right? That if you see somebody else who is differently abled, bullying is not the way to go, all right? They need what from child to child as an adult. to be better and even do much better because we are not only role models but our words and our actions towards people who are differently abled and especially children really really impact them for the rest of their lives we really need to be conscious um of how we treat people and also bearing in mind we nobody chooses this i mean it could literally happen to any individual Um, throughout our lifespan. So thank you so much uh, for that. I really, really appreciate that. Um, For Sylvia, as a parent, as a caregiver, how has, what are the risks of uh, the mental health risks that either you have run as as an individual or parents are likely to run depending on the severity of um, yeah the autistic symptoms of their children sorry uh please unmute sylvia okay so first of all the first thing that is um the
3: hardest is acceptance because as a parent we all wish and dream and pray for just a typical child but um, the other thing is we never get the support, especially at the point of diagnosis. It's always, oh, yeah, this is what it is. You have no idea what it is. And uh, like currently, even in the 80s even now, People don't quite understand what autism is. Then there is what now our medics plug into all oh, in your family, go find out this other family, go find out. You know, that sends you to that self-blame. Okay, could I be the cause of this? That is from the medic. Then you go home, you break it to like, oh, we're from hospital, this is what we told. The entire family says that and looks at you differently, like, mm. oh, oh, where did that come from? You see, and the some reality is as a mother, it's always pointed to hmm. because the mother will be like, oh, our family, we do not have such, so it must be you who's the problem. And from there, you find you're left alone. No one wants to associate with you, no one wants to understand your child, understand you, understand what this whole thing is about. So you're lacking support. You're forging into what has never been there before and trying to embrace something that you cannot even find the correct information about what mm. autism is and how to so about it. And let's not even go to where it is the basic support from the say, our government, our mm. social protection support. That is not even set up as yet in a manner that it's going to cover uh, our autistic caregivers, uh, our autistic children, plus their caregivers. So, you see, that sends you with all these aspects of everywhere you turn is a roadblock. Even the processes of just trying to get the right thing for your child. Not if you look at the paperwork that you require. Yes, Mm -hmm. get your child into a school and stuff like that. It is too intense. So you end up finding yourself in this space no one to talk to because we lose a lot of friends because it is demanding as you're trying to navigate and understand and try and uh make changes so that your child fits in uh or is in a space that is comfortable for them and it's a discovery journey. Mm-hmm. and you see even going out of social interaction do you always be left out because There'll that be that, that branding that we have. Or if your child is non bubble, or you already being your
5: child is already being brand, branded as dark
3: or deaf. There is a lot of branding and situation that comes. And that hurts us yeah. as parents because your child. Most of our autists who are non cannot express, might not even understand what is going on. So you get the pain as a parent. And it's not easy. So we mostly fall into depression. We don't have a support system around you, um, and um, I must say, from personal experience, it's not the easy. It's not easy at all. Um, for me, I had to go through the same twice. Even when you're getting a diagnosis uh, for the second child, it took me, despite having had my first baby diagnosis already, it took me another like four years to even accept. That there is that possibility of them being on the spectrum. So it's not something easy, no matter how educated you are, even if you've walked that journey before. What people need to remember at the end of the day, we are all human beings. And at the end of the day, we also all want the same thing love, acceptance, support. Now it's, it's, it's not something that's hard. And we are all different. It's just that our own children, there is just more accentuated than the rest. So right. acceptance and integration and inclusion. Would go a long way in making this uh, journey a bit easier, especially for us in the balancing of work life balance and at the same time trying to take care of a special
5: needs child. Thank you.
0: Mm. Thank you so much, um, uh, Sylvia, for that. You know, I can only imagine really uh, what it must take to, you know, to just take care of yourself, your own life goals, and uh, still be a caregiver of not only your children. But also your, your family. And some of the things that you really highlighted, you know, they've hit me, you know, after the initial diagnosis, you trying to uh, absorb that and understand that, uh, go explain it to your partner or to your family and, and get a backlash for that, or even more questions that you cannot answer as an individual. Uh, and then go to friends still get the same kind of um, vibe or treatment uh, at work. It it, it it is a lot and i hope that um this conversation that we are having here and everything everyone is doing in their own spaces and even the people who are uh, in this panel but are doing something i really hope that we are going to be um in a better world and our children will grow up in a better world you know that is different maybe from parents in, in the 80s um this next question is really for all the panelists, not anybody, but I'm wondering, and, and I would like to start with with John and Ian um, in a general overview. We have heard from Sylvia, we've heard from Karen, how can individuals either living with autism or who are caregivers, how can they cope with all these mental health implications that we have heard here today?
1: Thank you so much for another question and time. And uh, for these caregivers, as you've heard uh, what Sylvia said, actually mm-hmm. it is very hard for them to reach that acceptance. It reaches a point even some of the partners they break because of this, this condition. It's only that some of them they don't know. They mm-hmm. don't have someone who is near who can just get into their shoes Mm -hmm. maybe to explain for them what is this, what is this condition, how is it handled, what is supposed Mm. to be done, what is supposed to be followed, but now it ends, it ends to be maybe fracas, if that is what I can say, Mm. for some of them, as you've, uh, as you've heard what Sylvia said. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe some family members come in and say that is not that is not something that is within our, our our maybe in our family and it has not been there. So that one is you are the one who is responsible for that, for which right. it is uh, it is it's not supposed to be like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, what whatever we we can do about that, you just come in and you give a psycho 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 psychological support, psychological psychosocial emotional. You, you just you just you you just uh, you just uh, involve uh, you, you you get in touch with some other medical uh, medical practitioners and even psychologists, and you tell them after 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 knowing what is this condition, after mm-hmm. accepting now you 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 give in the psychologist the time maybe you were uh, for uh, to to cancel them and to understand more. Maybe for example, uh, as you've had uh, Sylvia, Sylvia was saying that she was almost she was almost it almost like it took her like four years to accept mm-hmm. and i i i'm pretty sure that uh, before she accepted she had a so, she underwent so many things even 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 meeting new friends giving her advices uh and now it was on it was in a di- she was in a dilemma to maybe to determine which is which but now uh, we thank God that uh, maybe she, she got the right person and uh, she, she got to knew about uh, this condition and that is why she accepted and she started that program whereby she is, uh, she is now an ambassador of this autism. Yes. So they keep they, so uh, <coughs> let, let me finish. So what Proceed. I can say that, that, uh, what I can say, the most important thing is letting them to know about this condition, guiding them, Mm -hmm. and giving them psychosocial support as much as we're assisting the children also Mm -hmm. the parents should be given those psychosocial support and -hmm. they should be counseled whenever the children are growing they are improving and also with them they should they should also grow they should grow strong as they are handling these children they should also be strong in whatever way and that is one way of assisting each each and every one of them and i think uh uh, 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 the the progress i believe that the the progress and prognosis of the of the the children will be just of okay
0: such amazing um words of wisdom john kimayo we really appreciate that and um just to reiterate that is 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 again like this the the burden of Giving is not easy, and one of the ways that um, you can use to cope is to get your own personal therapy. I love that John has emphasized that they need to grow, the caregivers as well. Their lives need to continue. They need to also be be, be strong so that they can also be able to give. Uh, good care. You know, literally what we say, you can't pour from an empty cup. They also need to take that time to replenish um, (coughs) on themselves and continued. I love also the emphasis on continued psychosocial support. The same way life is a journey, caregiving is also a journey. You know, so you need yeah. continuous support at every stage um, of that child's development as yeah. you're growing with them. Thank you really um, so much. Ian, I would like to go uh, to you as well. Um, other than what, what John has brought to our attention, how else do you think or feel um, either individuals who are living with autism or caregivers can cope with their mental health Um Space.
4: <clears throat> Thank you for this opportunity, um, one, uh, joining support groups, mm. uh, it will help you and un- uh, understand that you are not alone and you'll be able to learn from other people how they cope. So mm-hmm. as a caregiver or as a person uh, living with autism, joining a support group is very important.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, secondly, acceptance. Accepting uh, some something that you can't control will help. Will go a long way.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, also, understanding that you are not alone is part of accepting. Uh, thirdly, seeking help from a mental health professional or talking mm-hmm. to To someone, uh, someone close, maybe a friend or a family member,
5: Mm.
4: and uh, also seeking support from other people, like for example, in laundry, will really help reduce the stress, because caregivers of people with people living with autism um, go through a lot of stress. So seeking seeking support from other people will really
0: go a long way. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. Thank you so much, um, Ian, for that. And if you're listening to this conversation or you join this conversation later, again, a lot of emphasis on um, therapy. And But I really love um, support. I'm a really big believer of support groups of whatever it is that we are going through, whether you're a, you're a single parent, whether you're divorced, whether you're grieving, whether it's... um any issue, because there's something really powerful about coming together with people who are in your exact space, people who you can really share in in oneness. It's not theoretical, you know, this is something that you all um, are experiencing, maybe in different ways, but it's still um, the same thing. And there's so much power in in being able to have that. And um, now I would really, really love to invite Karen into this conversation. We've heard um, from the uh, occupational therapy psychologist, you as a person who with lived experience, what is it that has worked for you in regards to coping with the very things that you shared with us earlier on in this conversation?
2: Um, The best way I can say how I coped with the fact that I'm autistic is mm-hmm. just um, joining support groups, either uh, parent-led groups or, or even autistic, especially even autistic-led groups, which are, have been really helpful to me. And mm-hmm. uh, at the moment, right now, I'm in uh, two, I think three autistic-led groups already, and I'm also part of the per- parent-led group where I can now educate parents uh, about my lived experience and how they can also be uh, able to also be very great caregivers to their autistic children, mm-hmm. but they also need to learn from uh, actually autistic people like myself, uh, mm-hmm. who are the real experts in terms of autism. So, yeah, so I've also done a lot of research. I've been looking all, over the internet just to get correct information about myself and
5: yeah
2: <clears throat> uh, i think basically it all right
0: um thank you yeah. you've heard from karen uh yourself and, and i really want to emphasize on something that karen has seen that i really don't want us to take very like very powerful is the power to be able to know yourself get as much information as you can And at the same time also understand yourself in regards to what works for you very powerful i was just having a conversation yesterday night with a group of young people and the conversation on what works for you is like an example of the way everybody would like to be a reader people are always posting books uh current read for the month but if you're not a reader you're not a reader if youtube works for you for information then go for it. If it's um, the podcasts that work for you to get information, then go for it. Get actually what works for you, and use that as a way to hope or to take care uh, of yourself. And information is truly, truly um, powerful. Sylvia has um, gone off briefly. I think she's reconnecting. Um, Again, welcome back Sylvia. As a caregiver, we've heard from yourself and from John um, in regards to the burden of caregiving. What is it that uh, you have been doing that has worked for you in regards to coping? Um, Sylvia,
3: uh, right, for who they are and what. Sorry, pardon, are
0: we together? Ah, uh, yes, now, yes, we had lost you.
3: Now, All right. I think uh, the first step is usually acceptance, because it's way easier after acceptance. You embrace your child for who they are, not what you wanted, not what you wished for or dreamt about. That way you'll be able to see beyond that brand, beyond that label of them being autistic and you see them as a human being, as a child, and embrace them. and open doors for them open opportunities for them and then that way they're going to try, and it makes it easier for you as a parent you will allow yourself that moment to go through the emotions why is to bury them because you will get depressed you will get sad you will like blaming yourself blaming god blaming anyone who's involved doctors all because you're looking for answers that's you being and you being in touch with your emotions. But after that, just as a caregiver, learn to pick yourself up and look at now, where do we go from here? Even if it's night the whole time, there's always the daybreak. So you have to look forward to that. So the more you sit and wallow, then you not give yourself an opportunity to go out and conquer and be the voice for your child. Because if you do not put them out there, if you do not educate the people around you, they will not embrace them. So they will follow how you teach your child. They will aid that, and that means we will have a better community raising our children and accepting them for so exactly who they
0: are. Mm-hmm. Thank wow! Thank you, uh, Sylvia, for bringing that. Uh, you know, and giving us that re- insight. I really, really love um, basically how as a parent carries herself and the fact that she has fearlessly been able to put her kids out there, let people hear their voices, uh, be that voice as well. A, you know, be a queen, literally. <laughs> you know, while she's a teat, I can't imagine it's it's, it's easy. I think it's more of the intentionality to still um move forward, as well as continue creating awareness. And you know, and, and I also agree with another thing, that that process also helps her children understand uh, what is going on in, in regards to themselves or what this cause is, is about. And thank you, and we really appreciate you um, for that. I know we are running out of time. I just want to jump briefly into the Q&A. Um, And just before the questions that we have gotten from Facebook, let me just ask um, this question to just any one of you, uh, but mostly maybe to Sylvia and Karen, in regards to what has the government been doing? Or you would want to push on the needs of person living with autism and also for the caregiving. Uh, Let me just open. <laughs> That's an
3: awesome question because that means let's identify the gaps and do something about it. First and foremost, there is the country as signatories of UNCRPD, that is the United Nations World uh, and Government of with Disabilities. We have the SDGs, all of them talk of equality, equal education. Leave no one behind, they talk about uh, universal health there. Let's get go down to that. The back here to what we are setting our goals as a country. Yet if you come down to integrity, that is not being done. Yet out there, everyone is like, oh, Kenya has the best rules when it comes to guidelines and whatnot about persons with disabilities. But is that the fact? No, it's not. So can we just put our systems right and in order in terms of action and not just oh we signed and yet we're very proud saying we are signatories. No let's inspect, ensure it is being implemented. Go to the ground and see if our children are being treated right. Basic things education, health, social protection, those are the things that we need as basics as citizens. We pay taxes also, right? So we also need to deserve the same equal Mm-hmm. And that's not uh, the way to go. They should look at, this is an autistic person, this is how they learn, this, this is the health care system of everyone else. This is what the special needs persons need. So you make those amends and adjustments. When it comes to social protection, don't give us blankets of people that, oh yeah, there will be tax exemption. But then when I come as a parent of a social needs person, you tell me, oh, first of all, to even get the card, I need to see uh, m- more doctors than everyone else. That's a given. Okay. Sorry, uh, Sylvia, we are losing I'm you. I'm saying, um, I don't know what point you lost you, but I'm saying some of the social or persons with disabilities are not Children. so we need to be more able in terms of meet the needs of our neurodiversity where they need it if we are talking about employment not all, our education system does not allow them to get to the point of being employed how about you extend that to that caregiver who has to live their life and take care of this child for the rest of their life when you look at tax exception let's take the vehicle you say until when they are 18. if they are not able to get the therapy that they require to be able to coordinate their body and run and operate well then they're not going to be able to do that. How about you get the person who takes care of them to take up that responsibility? We we're talking about employment, Fix education, fix health. And then that way you will be able to look at the benefits for them as an adult being beneficial. But let's not shun them from when they're young, not give them any opportunity of thriving in life, and then expect them to say, oh, we've taken care of our special needs person because we've put certain laws in place. Um sorry for being extra passionate, but that's exactly
0: how I feel about it. Thank you. You are oozing passion, absolutely. And I mean and that's the way it should be. There is no any other way. We this is time to be heard. This is time to implement, you know, enough of the story, enough of the policy. Uh, this is uh, we now need to see actions because we are living I mean if Karen is here and she's talking about a diagnosis mm-hmm. 80s how many years later that we are still having um, the same conversation we are still uh, stuck almost like in Quicksart. Um, so I really do appreciate the conversation and you've really had it um, from Sylvia as a caregiver uh, issues in regards to social protection, to the healthcare, to uh, education systems, to therapy, and um, to also medication. I mean, these are real life issues. No parent should have to choose between basic needs and survival needs. No parent actually. Can I, I about something small? At that hard. point, um, Karen. Sorry. Yeah.
3: Can I just bring up one of the one of the key things that we are looking at? Very basic example. Okay. Our children use diapers longer than our typical children. You find adults in diapers. This is the entire neurodiverse community. Yet diapers are very expensive. I still have to buy a medication. I still have to pay taxes like everyone else. Yet when you come on this other side and see that um, the, ha- the government the <laughs> so- believe that they are, when you look at our cancer patients, their MHIf can cover for them. When you look at our children, their therapy is not, their doctors are not, even medical insurances are turning away. They're not looking at the person who's, I have malaria, treat me for malaria. Don't brand me because I have cerebral palsy or autism and blame it on that not to cover. It is totally unfair. Even for the diapers, they need to be either free, subsidized,
0: Um, I'm sorry Sylvia and uh, it really breaks my heart that we have to keep losing you in your passion um, in regards (laughs) to internet matters but uh, I would still challenge you to still get into the text box and still really just highlight um, all those issues. I think we can literally just have a a Twitter conversation specifically, I mean, focusing on those issues and and, and tag relevant people, because again, um, our responsibility is just to create that awareness and make the necessary um, noise. Karen. What would you like to see, in the Government or what has been done?
2: Wow, hey, I'll definitely agree with uh, Sylvia on this. The government has done zilch zilch, meaning not, nothing it's It seems to me that they just don't understand about neurological developmental disabilities and mm-hmm. autism. Falls under that umbrella of developmental disabilities. It simply right. means that they don't, they don't know anything about autism. It is because they're refusing oh. to listen to actually autistic people on the ground, like me. If they would approach me and say, "Okay, what is autism?" and I could explain to them that. Mm-hmm. Another thing that has, uh, I have some few concerns about is unemployment. I had this mm-hmm. conversation. Compromise- conversation with uh, fellow autistics out there. Autistic people make up uh, 98% of unemployment. It is because of the perception of how society views us as autistic people and even other disabled individuals. Mm -hmm. Another thing is also uh, the fact that, okay, Kenya is a signatory to the CRPD, but they have Mm -hmm. not implemented the CRPD. They have not included actually disabled people on the ground, especially actually autistic adults like me on the ground in decision making matters, which has uh, uh, really upset me. i mean, actually talking about this is kind of very heartbreaking to talk about. It's, it's kind of upsetting to me, but you know what? I need to, I, I really need to let it out so that they need to hear from me. They need to hear from me as an autistic person um Mm -hmm. also tax exemption as an autistic adult i have a disability card yet if i go to my like let's say if i go to my bank they'll ask me atifra pin. yet i show them the disability card i say excuse me i am i i'm tax exempt so uh they don't know, any, they don't know the fact that I have a disability. They don't know the fact that I'm, I'm autistic. So, these, these are the, these are the issues that it needs to be looked at in a very huge way. Mm. Therapies, therapies, especially for, uh, um, for like what Sylvia mentioned, among autistic children, it is also need, it also needs to be addressed vocational training for autistic adults who are now 18 and over. There's nothing, nothing mm. at the moment. There's just nothing that mm. needs to be addressed. Mm. Why is there no vocational training uh, issues? So what we re- we really need right mm. now is to educate the government about autism mm. and other developmental disabilities in general. Mm.
0: Yeah. Wow, yeah. I, I really hear a lot of Education, um, education, education that needs um, to take place, uh, as in a lot of um, sensitization, a lot of empathy, really. And it really pains me just to hear you and Sylvia talk about, you know. Another and I'm thing,
2: uh, Gazoni. Mm-hmm. Another thing, Gazoni. Uh, this has always been part of my campaign. Uh, especially uh, for non-speaking autistic people um they don't have access to communication other communication aids such as aac they don't have that that is what worries me at this point even if you're, if, if you're going to talk about non-speaking people just talk directly to non-speaking autistic people give them the communication aids they need that is what, what is, is it it really needed th- right now if you don't mind me asking uh alternative communication it is augmentative alternative communication right uh, what uh does it, that, you, basically used, yeah elements language for somebody who is uh, not able to have uh, who has no speech it's another alternative way to verbal speech that is through typing uh, mm-hmm. sign using your hands or mm-hmm. using some like like images on a, mm. on a on a book that's what i think right can say. Yeah. right
0: I, I i really um i would really love to have this conversation um on a different platform maybe uh just with the two of you because there are really a lot of um real life issues that are, are coming out and i and i feel that they need to uh people Need to actually hear this. It's really disappointing if the person at the front desk in a bank does not know what a disability card is and they'll still go ahead and ask you for a. I I mean, that tells me that they have absolutely no idea, even as an educated adult. It's um terrible to have conversations and to start attempting to write or to put policies in place if you don't involve. People living with autism. If you don't involve the caregivers themselves, then how are you going to really know how to address, you know, their needs? You know, in in black and white. If if you're only coming from a theoretical um, point of view, I would really love um, to have this conversation. And just hearing the passion in your voices um, really tells me that this has been um, quite a journey. And I'm really glad that you're. Taking care of your mental health. I want to go to the questions on Facebook because um, they're just adding by the minute. And one of uh, I'll start with the first person who commented um, this, and I would like to just hear your thoughts on it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'll ask this question. Maybe Sylvia can give us an, an, a little insight on this. She can tell us why, and as well as. Um, Ian or John. So, Kiprop says that most of the parents find it difficult to differentiate between Autism and ADHD disorder. Uh, What's the difference or why? okay um ADHD
3: let me just break down first there is autism as a
0: condition on its own then we have ADHD is
3: also a condition on its own that is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder which has two no categories you can either be hyper or hypo that means either all over or extremely calm yeah ADHD and um ADHD can coexist with autism Autistic persons have comorbid conditions. Comorbid is coexisting conditions. The way you have autism with OCD, autism with ADHD or ADHD or autism with epilepsy or cerebral palsy with autism or Down syndrome with autism. So they can coexist uh, together. So according from the assessment, there, now you'll be able to draw the line: is the child just purely attention deficit hyperactivity? And mm-hmm. remember, ADHD is something that can actually be cured, or someone can live a normal life with it. We have very many people with ADHD because you can either use diet, you can either use um, just aligning and setting systems. Uh, what it is like our daily life, right? And understanding and uh, most mm-hmm. of other things that we normally do. Medication is the last resort for ADHD. What is in not Mm. medication but there are medicines now for like a comorbid condition or like if someone is insomnia that means they have issues with sleep then you see that's the time now they right. will be prescribed for either medicine or medicine to help sleep. So it varies mm. and that requires um uh, that's uh, what do you call this assessment for you to know exactly which of them it is. Yeah. So if yeah. there is something of left out uh, maybe uh, our OT can yeah
0: yes uh thank you so much um sylvia for giving us just good um insight and really explaining it in a way that is really um very well understood as a practitioner ian uh why do you think it's difficult or why do you think this individual is asking in regards to difficulty in differentiating and while you're at that i would also like to you to throw in, is it possible for somebody to have both autism and ADHD?
4: Um, It's difficult to differentiate between autism and ADHD because uh, a child with autism and a child with ADHD both have difficulties with their schoolwork Mm
6: -hmm. and
4: also focusing, but the difference is uh, a child with autism Uh, avoid things they don't like, and Mm. fix on things they like. For example, playing with one toy all the time. And also, a child with ADHD uh, has difficulty focusing on things they should concentrate on. Mm. Another thing is, um, a child with autism has uh, difficulties communicating and interacting, Mm
5: -hmm. while
4: a child with ADHD Uh, talks a lot most of the time
5: Mm.
4: and it is possible to have uh, autism and ADHD
0: it's it's possible um thank you for that i mean the symptoms are quite similar in some front but if a professional a real expert is actually dealing with observation of these kids then they can actually be able to you know demarcate between this this child is autistic and this other child um, has adhd or even that a child has both. And as we continue with this conversation, I just want to thank all the panelists again and to thank anybody who is joining this conversation. And I also want to remind you that the fact that Karen is here is hope enough that you can actually be able to still be the best version of yourself. You can still be able to um, manage whether it's ADHD or autism or any other uh, neurodevelopmental um, disorder that your child has or even you as an individual has and the fact that Sylvia is here, I hope that this is also going to be a sign of hope that we can still be able to do a lot of the things that we want to do despite um, of having a childhood. Um, with autism there is another very good question and thank you john for coming back because you talked about wanting to implement a program in your school so allow me to ask this uh, very very good good question somebody called um has asked i have noticed 80 percent are women caring for exceptional exceptional kids where are the men especially during therapy sessions you need you find mothers. What can be done to involve dads, all right? And I want you to ask this because you're in the process of wanting to improve. So this is exactly what you're going to be finding in that space. Um, so what is it that can be done? Or because also you are specifically an occupational therapist, have you observed this some of the other disorders? And what is it that we can do?
6: Yes. Okay, thank you so much. You have the few. Yes. Okay. Now, I've lost for a while, but they are saying that I've uh, just gone to just into day. There is no problem. Now, uh, in fact, that is not the first question I'm getting from you guys, Mm -hmm. from that audience. I've gotten so many questions that to that most of most of the people who are who are getting in touch with the other mothers. But the mm. fathers, they are, they are taking it as a magic As if it's you not know there, some of them they even don't know. So uh, in, in, in relation to that, there is mm. there, there is somewhere. There is somewhere I, I, there was someone who was asking a question and uh, in one of the platforms what it's it's now a month for it's now a month for autism it's a month for getting awareness about autism. this month now does your men even know about 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 this uh this day and really it was it was a really shocking to find that most of the comments that we got from that uh, from that uh, questions and uh, the, the, the most the most answers and the comments that I got from that question it was really disgusting that uh, that most of the men have left the work the women they are just other things even even if you find some of them they have just left their family they abandon their family that. and now as an uh, as an official therapist because I'm not working alone. Uh, this field we have so many disciplinary people together. Uh, and since since we are many, we just get we just uh, we just connect. We come together, we unite, we and discuss whatever this is required. Mm-hmm.
0: John, we have lost you. Um there uh, for a bit. Um, as we try to wait for John, I know he'll come back, too, but I'm just wondering, and allow me to ask you this, Karen, please, please allow me to ask you this. Uh, did you experience any of this situation growing up as a child, uh, whereby probably only one parent was present in, in the
5: Taking
2: care um, of you. I mean, doing the therapy alone. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I've experienced that one. Yeah. Um. My mm-hmm. my my dad actually was present in uh, the therapy sessions that I went through, especially both uh, OT and and speech therapy. Uh, mm-hmm. all through even um getting resources for autism uh in that d- during that t- time frame because uh, there was just lack of information out there, and he tried the best that he did to mm-hmm. get a lot of info for for me to, mm-hmm. also to help him uh get a lot of knowledge even for himself about autism and uh mm-hmm. yeah. So he did a lot of that, not just right. my therapy sessions and also just for himself mm. to know about autism, yeah.
0: Thank you, Karen. Um, you know, for that. And uh, yeah, we thank that caregiver. Somebody here is also <laughs> saying the only true journey of hope, 100% uh, caregivers, um, I love that. Another person has talked about individual self-awareness uh, very well said, um, there's somebody who has really, um, agreed with this conversation and they are saying that, um, indeed this is a notable trend seen of guardians who avail the kids for sessions. I think the ambassadors, let's come to the screen. I think the ambassador should at least shed, shed light on that. Give an entry point as we in practice to engage with the fathers too, same to psychologists. Um, Since both of you are ambassadors, Sylvia and um, Karen, and Ian, if you'd like to add on to that, how can we involve? I really don't want to put it on, uh, let me just say a parent, because I know there are some people who are being dads only and others by moms only so let me just say a parent how can we um involve the other parent to be part of therapy for their children sylvia what are your thoughts on that as a single parent for me that
3: that is a dream for now because when 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 the males already exit the scene from when the child is young, that is not something you can look forward to. You know it squarely falls on you to get this done. As mm-hmm. Aside, I think um, from the moment of diagnosis, if you start this journey together, and um, we get that elaboration and explanation that it is a joint journey. Same thing applies to like in our schools. Then, the different ministries that it takes to raise our children. And one of the things that Annie Smith has been championing for is challenging the school, the Ministry of Health and Ministry of Education to look at things different. I don't have to leave work to go for that therapy. Kind of you see, that's where now the challenges come. Whose income is more important? Who has more time? Who has an easier boss to, you know, get the time to be able to attend to the child? If as a government, uh, under the social protection, uh, if the three main pillars of raising a special needs child, come together and we say, every school will have a special unit, every special unit will have a occupational therapy, and every special unit will have speech therapy. I don't have to leave work, you understand? It becomes part of the curriculum. It becomes part of the system, what it is that they do. And when we come in on board as caregivers, when we're having our IEP sessions, IEP is individualized education. Plans and uh, programs. That is the point. Now we get to know this is what we're doing. Maybe we can say once a week the parents have to be there, yeah, mm-hmm. and that we get to catch up and understand what is being done and get the reports and implement mm-hmm. the same at home for that level of continuity. But we cannot say that. Sometimes it's it's very difficult because of how fast the high cost of living that we have. So the both parents to not work and come unless you are either not working at all and fully committed to caregiving or um you are comfortable enough that you can do without work at least because remember therapy is not a one-day thing it's not a one-day session we have um like my child is supposed to be having three times a week i cannot miss work or, you know thrice in a week and, and i can only maybe afford once in a week so you see, that also has its own repercussions. So when it comes to the reality of the matter, that is what actually analyses and uh,
0: affects some of the things and the habits that you see going on when it comes to involvement. Right, absolutely. Um. What are your thoughts on this, Ian, in regards to involvement of the other parent, you know, more so in the case, because it's specifically been asked the father
4: um i think education is very important education is power so if they get to be educated uh, so that they understand that autistic people can thrive like just any other person it will be better because uh, it can be possibly that uh, there's some isolation so I think if they get to be educated, uh, it could be better.
0: So, um, if I hear you right, Ian, you're talking about psycho-educating them. All right, I appreciate um, all of you, and I appreciate all your insights. And if anybody is conversation that you have had some of the ways or some of the things that we can use to involve the other parent but really truly at the end of the day I think that other parent, the father or is it the mother whoever it is they have to make a personal decision to be there or to be better yeah ultimately we might want to educate them we might want to to do all these things but they must want to be involved in that journey for that child, because they're a good human being. If they don't really want to do that, it's very hard to try and convince another person to do that. And I can imagine—I can only imagine how strenuous um, that is to have to bear that burden alone, even though you were two of you to begin with. Um, somebody has talked about Paula. I need vocational training for autistic people in Kenya. There is vocational training in Maryland, by I, but I am not eligible for DDA. Um, I hope that one of our ambassadors uh, can reach out to Paula, case they know somewhere with uh, vocational training specifically for Autism, But we mentioned it earlier on uh, with fire current, like those are the things that we practically actually really need here in this country. Um, somebody also has um, talked about there is the need for our health facilities or setups offering health um, offer family psychotherapy. This will, in line, help for the disabilities that are noticeable by birth, emphasizing on the importance of fatherhood inclusion in the development um, of a child. Same way, you can't uh, maybe need to get a passport. You know, you need the consent from the dad. I, you know, I feel like that involvement can also be um, from that aspect um, as, as well. So thank you thank you so much um for your contribution i really want to thank um this panel and as we end this conversation i just want to um pose a challenge to um all of you and it's basically uh asking you what are you going to do different to help create awareness on autism after this conversation what what is it that you're going to do different and also while we're at it uh, because we are still on autism awareness there's a campaign that is ongoing for autism awareness uh, where you can ride you can walk um, you can cycle basically for autism and uh, blue everywhere talk about it and sylvia is here who is but actually spearheading that campaign, maybe Sylvia, you can tell us more about that campaign and also to your fellow panelists, how can they be able to support you, seeing as they are people in their own right in that space.
3: Thank you very much, Bethony. First, by them being here is uh, support because I have called out for people who can support in awareness raising and having this conversation when they took up the challenge. So thank you, John. Thank you, Ian. And thank you, Karen, for taking up the mantle to be here today and to amplify the voice because I think we will be louder and have more impactful conversations when we come together. So it's not only all that one woman who's always bickering about autism X, Y, Z. So thank you very much. As for the right uh, for autism awareness challenge, we are challenging everyone from any part of the country, the continent, and they want to join us autism awareness challenge where we're challenging you to donate two or two hundred shillings for every mile you walk a mile is like four and a half kilometers i believe yes so that we are able to equip the kasurangi primary school autism unit and set up an occupational therapy center because these are the key areas that we're talking about so we wanted to see a project where we can show the difference when uh, we have everything for the children available in the same space and catered for with the proper equipment and the proper support, what different outcome are we going to do? And we'd like for the government to also follow suit. We are doing this as citizens, caregivers, and anyone who believes that our children are able and are able. That they have their own superpowers and trust you, we just need to give them that opportunity so you can also be part of the great change to enabling our uh, autistic persons discover their greatness by empowering them and by opening that opportunity for us to set up that center that they're able to um, thrive. That's the right one, they're able to thrive and be the best version of who they can be. So, ride, cycle, take a photo. It and uh, make the donation to either our MChanga. MChanga is a platform online, so anyone can pay from anywhere, be it Visa, be it Airtel money, mobile money, equity money, whichever way you are able to pay. So if you go to MChanga and just write Andy to bring in the platform, and you're able to tell how many miles you've done. And for those who've already joined us and had quite a couple of guys doing it as a family, we are on lockdown. So. Do have some fun. Like our page, follow the activities we're doing, and let's be the change that we want
0: to see. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, um, Sylvia, for that. As you heard, reach her out at Andy Speaks um, on literally all of the platforms. Ian is, uh, sorry, John is back here with us. John, how can people reach you if they would want any of your services? Uh,
6: thank you once again. Uh, Ways you can get me one through my phone number two on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And uh, most of the time I'll prefer people to hold me but getting to social media sometimes it takes take time because of the kind of work that you're So my my number is 480198. Then in our uh, you, can, you can you can like our page. All milestones and the center. Rica, that is the center that we are that we are, we are starting at an uh, Center. We started as uh, a uh, we start, started by getting awareness this month. And we are hoping all along uh, as we proceed to reach where Sylvia is And maybe maybe next year or uh, or the years to come, we have a major major big event that includes all of us that event. And of our good of our good benefit if all, all of the people are are, 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 are Inclusion, let's say inclusion of all people with autism and other disorders. And it will be a great step for each and every one of us. Because uh, with inclusion, at least the government will be seeing what what we are doing by creating awareness. And they will see, they will see there is a local somewhere.
0: all right um john we've lost you there but thank you and we are going to write that number in the, in the chat box we are really really running out of time um Karen, how can people reach out to
5: you?
2: yeah uh you can follow me on uh on my page kenyan's living with autism uh i'm also on my uh, on twitter at Karen underscore Muriuki. On Instagram mm-hmm. at Karen underscore Murioki, and also uh, my 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 personal page Karen Murioki. All right, yeah.
0: thank you so much, um, Karen. I look forward to yeah seeing both you and John, and engaging you, and even inviting you here at the hospital at Chiromo Hospital <coughs> Group. We have Ian last, yeah. but not least, this panel. How can people reach out um, to you?
4: Um, you can reach me through my my social media handles, uh, Facebook at Ian Ian, Instagram at uh, three underscores, keep two underscores, and also Twitter at Ian Kiplang at 4 and uh, you can also find me at Chiromo Hospital Group.
5: All
0: right. Thank you. And if you're catching this conversation yet, once again, let me just reiterate. You can call 0800-220-000. That is our toll free number for support 800 220 and catch us at Chiromo Hospital Group across all social media platforms, just DM whatever questions you have, whatever inquiries you have, um, whatever it is that you need. We are here to support you. I would love to just say a special thank you to our panelists uh, for today. This was such a powerful conversation, a very, very powerful panel that came together. Thank you, God. Uh, Thank you all of you for heeding to our call. You know, and thank you, God, as well, uh, giving us your thank you for giving us your time, your voice, your skill, your wit. We really uh, appreciate you. I look forward to also coming to seeing you in your own different spaces and what. Um, you are doing and seeing what is it that we can do to continue um working together i'm gonna end this um conversation right here because we have really really gone gone um out of time with a quote that says i am different and not less so always remember that you're different but never less you're absolutely uh worth it um i'm your host gadoni bogua and thank you